Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Everything USC podcast on Believe, the number one content network for professionals, the place to find a sports and pop culture show for passionate fan bases across multiple platforms. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? I'm your host, Nara Wang, and I'm so glad to bring back for episode 80 the three-peat NCAA championship winning head coach of the USC Beach Volleyball Program, Dane Blanton. Coach, it's great to continue our annual tradition of having you on the Everything USC podcast after you win a national title. Well, thanks for having me on again. This is exciting. You know, we had a great time last year doing back-to-back, and now uh, we got back-to-back-to-back championships going on in the three-peat. And, you know, I can't say enough about how how much this team really stepped up in the clutch to make it a reality, winning three straight, which has never been done in women's sports here at USC. So it was really great to be a part of history. And of course, if you enjoy this podcast, you can subscribe, download, and rate it wherever you get your favorite podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn, and so many more, or go right to our website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media, at Believe Network. For me, I can be found on Twitter. Find and follow me at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Dane, where do the people find you and the USC Beach Volleyball Program on social media? Well, you just go to the, you know, the USC site, the athletic site, and click on Beach Volleyball, and uh, you can follow us there. Or... We're very active on Instagram, so USC Beach is the handle there, and uh, that kind of keeps you up to date on everything that we're doing throughout the year. Even in the summer, we love to document what some of our alumni are doing professionally and internationally as they get ready for the 2024 Olympics, and also our, our current players. I mean, just this weekend, Megan Kraft won the Queen of the Beach event that was held in Hamburg, Germany, and... We are excited to get Megan back for her senior year, along with Delaney Maple, Nick and Audrey Norse also coming back. So it's fun to see everyone doing their thing, especially in the summer where we have some free time and some kind of latitude to do some other things. The Everything USC podcast is brought to you by Bet Online, which is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. With six of the ten players from the group that won at last season's NCAA championship no longer on the team, including All-Americans Tina Gradina, Haley Harward, Julius Scholes, and Sammy Slater, a team that Dane Blanton described on this very podcast last year as the greatest ever assembled in collegiate beach volleyball, USC would begin this season ranked fourth in the country. The Trojans would win their first ten dual matches of the season to stretch the second longest win streak in school history to 46 before falling to then number one TCU in Miami Beach on March 17th as the number two team in the nation. 
SC would rattle off 14 straight wins after the TCU loss, but a loss to UCLA in the first-place duel at the Center of Effort Challenge in San Luis Obispo on April 15th began a stretch of going 4-4 four and four before heading to the NCAA Championship in Gulf Shores, Alabama, with three of those four defeats at the hands of the Bruins. The women of Troy were seeded third in the new single-elimination bracket format in the national title tournament and took out Georgia State, Loyola Marymount, and TCU to earn another meeting with their crosstown rivals in the final. After winning the two matches in the first flight of duels from the number two pair of Madison Shields and Madison White and the number four duo of Jenna Johnson and Ashlyn Rasnick-Pope, USC would lose the first two matches to finish in the second flight at number five with Olivia Bacos and Gabby Walker and surprisingly at number one with Megan Kraft and Delaney Maple. This meant the championship would come down to the third set on the number three court where the Norse twins, Audrey and Nicole, were taken on Riley Powers and former Trojan Haley Hallgren. And since three is a magic number, the twins would come through to deliver the third straight beach volleyball national title for USC and sixth in program history. Coach Blanton, how nerve-wracking was it to have the national title come down to that after having won your duels 3-1 in the championship matches the previous two years? Well, you know, it was crazy. And I think psychology plays a huge part, right? You have those two different flights. And the first flight, we really wanted to focus on at least getting one of those wins. And once we got two of them, we were, you know, put UCLA in a real corner, right? If you're down 2-0 going into the second flight of three matches, all you need to do is win one. But if you're on the losing end, you're thinking, we got nothing to lose. We're going to go for it. We're going to wing it. We're going to just play loose. We're going to bomb the ball. And that's what they ended up doing. And all of a sudden, they started climbing back, I think, playing kind of reckless abandon, just going for it. And it caught our number one team of Megan and Delaney a little off guard. And UCLA took care of business at the number five spot. And like you said, it was crazy because would it have gone a different way if it was one all? in the first flight, you know, would we have come out and taken care of business and won two in the second flight easier? I don't know. But I think that's the psychology plays a part. And that's what makes it so exciting. That's what makes it so compelling as a fan that, you you know, you're on one court and then all of a sudden everything swings to another court and everyone runs to it. And I'll tell you what, I was more than happy to run over the number three court and to have the Norse twins controlling our fate because they are such competitors and they love those types of moments. When the lights are brightest, that's when the Norses shine the most. They're very calm, ice in their veins when the pressure's on. And I was very confident they would take care of business. And their opponent, UCLA, Hallgren and Powers, I knew that they really, really had a burning desire to take Hallgren out because She was a former teammate and decided to go cross town and play on the other side of one of the biggest rivalries in college sports and think that she was going to get a championship over there. So I think the Norse Twins were very happy to be able to defeat that team, defeat UCLA, and to win their third national championship. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, what were the emotions like for you having Haley Hallgren, someone who had contributed to that 2021 national title at USC, 
on the opposite side of that final match and it comes down to being the deciding point. Yeah, you know, it's tough. You're kind of torn because we had Harper Hallgren, her younger sister, was still on the team. And, you know, she could have had an opportunity to come back and possibly play with Harper her last her senior year. She decided to go cross town. And it's a risky move in terms of if you're looking to win a championship. And so the players on the court, they they got to handle their business and do their thing when you're a coach on the sideline. Sure, there's emotions there. Sure, here's a player that went to the other side, let's say. But, we, we, you know, instead of talking about it, we we took care of business on the, on the court. And that's what we really try to promote here is to play with class and to play with all of your heart and effort and to, you know, fight like champions. That's why we always say fight on, right? At USC, you just fall back on that. You keep fighting. And that's what the players did. And so at the end of the day, you put all these emotions aside and you're just playing another opponent and you're trying to get a victory. And that's what we were able to do. And I was so proud of the way that this team came together at the right time and performed. After losing all of the great players that you had from last year's historic team, how did this year's squad come together to deliver the third straight title despite never being ranked number one until after you won the national championship and struggling a bit down the stretch heading in to that championship tournament? Well, you know, we did struggle. If you look at it on paper, we really struggled, but we were trying to figure out our lineup and trying to figure out the exact lineup that was going to be best for us and where certain players would reach their potential. And we were able to, myself and assistant coach Gustavo Hocha, put it together at the right time, but give all the credit to the players. Some of the freshmen that were relied on heavily, you know, like Madison White, like Gabby Walker, some of these freshmen really stepped up when they needed to, and that put us in a great position. But this whole year was about accelerated learning, right? Freshmen are freshmen. They're only going to learn at their own pace, but they were able to take in information, really digest that information, and then use it to their advantage when the pressure got high in Gulf Shores. And it was great to see they went to another level. And we always say to ourselves, you know, you're never going to rise to the occasion. What you're going to do is you're going to fall to the level of your training. And I think that's what they did. They had trained a certain way and they could fall back on that training. And that's what put us in position to win another championship. And as I mentioned, it was the first year of the single elimination bracket format. Was that change, you think, beneficial for the tournament? Or did you like the previous double elimination structure more? It's interesting. I was on the committee, the beach committee for the NCAA, representing the Pac-12 when they brought that decision. And I thought I was on the, the committee a year ago as well. And I voted immediately to increase the field to 16, number one, which took place a year ago. And then this year, the new legislation was the single elimination. And I thought we should do it immediately. I think to the lay fan out there, single elimination is a lot easier to follow. People don't understand if you lost on a Saturday, how are you playing on a Sunday? So with single elimination, you know, it's win or go home. And it really makes the intensity higher, the drama higher, and the pressure and when you upset a team, it's a real upset. They're going home, just like in the, the March Madness in the Final Four tournament. It's, you know, there's no way to come back. So 
as a coach, not being on the court, it's nerve wracking. And fortunately, we made it to the final where you have a flight situation. You have two teams playing the first flight, three teams playing the second flight. That gives you a little bit better situation to coach in rather than running all five at the same time. So it's high pressure, high drama, but I think usually the winner, regardless of if it were single elimination or double elimination, the team that wins that winner's bracket usually wins the whole tournament. And I think that's happened every time but once. So I think definitely this this go-round, the best team won at the end, the team that was playing the best. But it was high pressure. It was high drama. But it was a heck of a lot of fun. This is the Everything USC podcast. I'm Nara Wang, joined today by Olympic gold medalist and the head coach of the USC Beach Volleyball team, Dane Blanton. If you enjoy the podcast, you can find it at all of your favorite podcast directories. Subscribe, download, and rate it, or go to our website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media, at Believe Network. I'm on social media on Twitter, at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. If people want to catch up with you and the team, Coach Blanton, where do they find you? Well, to find us on, uh, we're most active on Instagram, right? At USC Beach. Check us out there and you can follow what all of our players are doing on a global level. A lot of our alumni doing some big things internationally. And then also at the USC, the USC website, go to the athletic department, click on Beach Volleyball, and that'll keep you up to date. This is Steve Lavin, former UCLA and St. John's basketball coach, and you're listening to the Everything USC podcast with Nara Wang on the Believe Network. And now I want to talk with Coach Blanton about the honors given out to the team members and how he kind of got the magic formula for this year's national title winning squad, the number one pair of Megan Kraft and Delaney Maple named first team All-Americans by the American Volleyball Coaches Association, as well as being named Pac-12 Pair of the Year with Kraft also receiving Pac-12 Player of the Year. Together, they went 27-3 and and two of their losses were the final two matches of the season against TCU and UCLA in the NCAA Championship after only having one loss in the regular season against Georgia State. The twins, Audrey and Nicole Norse, go 29-6 and six together, winning eight straight to close out the season and being the clinching point in three of the four wins at Gulf Shores, including, of course, that title match against the Bruins. Newcomers, Madison Mad Dog Shields, a grad transfer from Pepperdine, and freshman Madison White went 23-8 and eight together as a pair to both earn second-team All-Pac-12 honors, with White also being named to the conference All-Freshman team along with Gabby Walker. Walker and Olivia Bacos played together at number four or number five most of the season, but the number four team at NCAAs, Jenna Johnson and Ashlyn Rasnick-Pope, had only three matches together before being paired for the NCAA tournament. So when we spoke after last season, Dane, you weren't sure if you'd pair Kraft and Maple together. So what made you decide to do it? And then how did that then trickle down to how you set up the other pairs and what position to place them? Yeah, you know, fascinating question. Megan Kraft and Delaney Maple played at the same high school at, at Torrey Pines. They won a state championship together on the indoor squad there. They came here to USC together. They had had success on the uh, AVP tour. I think they finished fourth once as amateurs. 
and just knew the magic was there and the chemistry. And I think their desire and, and want to play together was huge because I'm very much on feeling out what a player wants, what situation is best for them. And when you put them in there and they seem to want to play together, they gelled, the chemistry was there. We went with it and they were fantastic. You know, the one team that stunned them, who stunned a lot of teams was Georgia State, the Ferrari sisters who are magnificent players and they play a little different style. And they got to avenge that loss, actually. Megan and Delaney did in the first round of the NCAAs. So I know that was a little nerve wracking for them. And then they ran into some great players, you know, for TCU. The number one team is, is an international team. Daniela will be representing Spain, I know, this summer. And then UCLA, Maggie Boyd, the freshman who, who had a, a spectacular year, great player, and, and her partner, uh, Lexi Denenberg were on fire and they took down Megan and, and Delaney. So sure, Megan Delaney would love to have those back, but that was the beauty of our team. When one would lose, another would win. We didn't rely solely on one team making it happen. So we had this freshman in uh, Madison White and Madison Shields, a grad student at the number two spot, stepped up, ended up taking down Abby Van Winkle and Perry Brennan, an undefeated team. You know, it's pretty special to take down a team that has been undefeated the entire season in the national championship. I mean, that says a lot. And they played some of the best volleyball that I've ever seen out of them. And, you know, you go down the line, you got Audrey and Nick, who, like I said earlier, you want them in that position to clinch the duel as they've done many times. And, and we've relied upon them many a times. And then uh, the two grad students, Jenna Johnson and Ashlyn Rasnick-Pope, like you said, hadn't been together much, but we said, let's put these two athletes together who know how to play in the wind, who know how to play in Gulf Shores with all the elements. And we put them together, the magic started happening, and they won some clutch, clutch games. And then you go to number five, right? Olivia Bacos, a junior playing with a freshman in Gabby Walker. I mean, their biggest shining moment had to be in the semifinals when it all came down to their court. Could they clinch it or, or not? And they were just as steady as could be. And that's how we made it to the finals. I mean, everybody contributed from top to bottom. And then uh, what you missed out on is Gustavo Hocha, the assistant coach, got assistant coach of the year by the AVCA. So it's, you know, I've been so fortunate to be surrounded by great coaches. Emily Hansen, our volunteer assistant who was on our team a year ago, she was coaching and the players all bought in. They know about the legacy. They know about the importance of putting on that jersey and what it means not only to the current team, but it lets you know you're playing for much more than yourself. You're playing for your teammates and everybody that has come before you. Yeah, I was actually saving that about Gustavo because <laughs> I want to rail once again on your behalf for the third straight year that for some reason you are not the national coach of the year by the AVCA. I'm grateful for Gustavo getting the assistant coach of the year award, getting some recognition for the coaching staff of USC, but TCU's Hector Gutierrez wins the coach of the year, and it's well-deserved. TCU had its greatest year in their program history and was number one for part of the season, came in as the number two seed in the NCAA tournament. But once again, 
I'm going to ask, what's it going to take for you, Dane Blanton, to win a National Coach of the Year award? <laughs> I always say, you know what, I try to win the awards that you have to go out and earn that are not subjective, that are very objective. There's one prize, everyone's going for it, and there's no vote. When you throw voting in, different things happen, right? Hey, you know, his team, he already had great players on it. This time we were supposed to be rebuilding and have no players, and we came back and won the whole thing. So I don't focus too much on those things. I know whenever we win team of the week or Pac-12 pair of the week, and we really, we like to celebrate those, but we look at them as team awards, right? If our team's not winning, we're not up for those awards. So, you know, in the case of winning, you know, head coach of the year by the AVCA, whether that comes or not at a certain time is is not up to me, right? I'm just going to do what I do best. And um, so far, winning three in a row is amazing. We'll go back to work and, and you know, try to build the best team that we can for, for the next year. But um, those things, to answer your question, are, are out of your hands. You go out and do your best. You hope to be respected and you, you hope that people acknowledge some of the things that you you do. But if not, it's all right. I mean... You know, I got those three trophies sitting behind me, and uh, those are the biggest prize that you can get. That's what everybody's after every single year, not those other things. I know you've got the great attitude about it, and I think you would forever not want to win if you kept winning national titles. I think you'd be perfectly fine with it. I'm (laughs) going to be the one who every year when I bring you on after we win a national title to get angry on your behalf. So I'm just going (laughs) to let you know that right now. But All right. I appreciate it. You brought it up, though. Can USC make it four in a row in 2024? So you already brought up some of the returning members, but let everyone know who's coming back, who's being lost from this year's rosters, who are the players who maybe didn't get as much action in duels this season that we should be looking out for next season, and what's the recruiting like? Well, we're going to have a a fantastic team coming back next year. You know, Megan Craft and Delaney Maple, Pac-12 Team of the Year. Craft player of the year in the Pac-12, and Maples just continues to get better every year. Fantastic. They're coming back. The Twins, they're coming back. Who we lose, we will lose Jenna Johnson and Ashlyn Rasnick-Pope, who are at our number four spot. We'll also lose Harper Hallgren and Caitlin Cummings, who did not start. So in terms of starters, I guess, I guess it's just two, right? Two of the starters. Everybody else is going to be back. We have five freshmen coming in that could make an impact immediately. And then uh, we're still trying to round out our roster with grad students because this is the last year that players will have that COVID year, that kind of kicker year. And so with the portal, with that COVID year, which means a lot of them, because school didn't stop during COVID, but sports did. So a lot of these athletes are finishing their undergrad and they're having another year of eligibility, and they want to go somewhere else and have a different experience. So I think we're going to have a handful of grad students that are going to make an impact right away, right? They only have one season. You add that with our core from last year, and then the freshmen from last year that are coming up the ranks. And I'm really happy with what we're putting together right now. To be honest with you, I haven't had much downtime. It's been a lot of, a lot of things going on. There's been a switch, and, I, and I'm sure we'll get to that later with our athletic uh, department and our AD. And so there's been some movement, and you want to stay on top of it, right, before you 
break out for summer and take a little bit of time off, but I'm big on celebrating my successes and there's still a lot of time to celebrate. If you think about it, we're in the same month still, right? You know, less than a month ago, we won this thing. And so believe me, I'm going to celebrate and I hope the girls are out there doing their thing and, and enjoying. And the coolest thing ever, Nara, is we got invited to the White House on June 12th. So the team will be headed to Washington, D.C. to do some more celebrating. Oh, that's going to be awesome. The White House trip for the national champion, the three-time back-to-back-to-back USC Beach Volleyball team. That's going to be great. So next year, real quick, what's USC going to be ranked going into 2024 season? (laughs) Again, you're asking me a lot of these questions that I really like to, to play down because it's out of our hands. Honestly, you know, it was a lot of fun this year because the first year we won, I think we shocked some people. Then everybody expected us to come back and win. We didn't lose anybody in 22, so the pressure was high. Then this year, they said it was going to be a rebuild. We wouldn't be ranked in the top 5 to 10, and it was going to be a struggle. So I really enjoyed that underdog role of never being ranked one, always, you know, being second or third and you know, you let those teams at the top kind of feel like they're in control and they're doing their thing. I always say there's no championship trophy for going undefeated, right? So sometimes it's okay to get that loss on the record because it takes a little bit away. But I don't mind where we come in. I'm not going to make a prediction. I know, let's just say this, we'll be in the top four. I know that. And, uh, I don't care where I I like playing the, the underdog role, but I also can play that front runner role as we did in 22. But um, I don't know. I don't know what movement's going on there exactly. I'm sure some teams are going to get some some grad students and some seasoned players. But let's leave it up to the people at the polls to do their thing, because at the end, the only poll that matters is the one on May 8th, and that's the day after the championship. This is the Everything USC podcast. My guest today, the head coach of the USC Beach Volleyball team, winners of the last three NCAA championships, Dane Blanton, also an Olympic gold medalist in beach volleyball as well during his playing days. And if you enjoy listening to the show, subscribe, download, and rate it wherever you get your favorite podcasts or go to our website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V. Dot com on social media at Believe Network. I'm on Twitter at Narawang Sports. You can catch me there. And Coach Blanton, where do the people catch up with you and the team? Instagram is our most active area for sure in terms of social media, and that's at USC Beach. Check it out there to, to follow all of our players that are doing big things on a global level. And then uh, also go to the USC Athletic page and click on Beach Volleyball, and that'll give you, you know, our upcoming schedule for 2023-24 and our roster, and we try to keep that up to date to keep all of our fans informed. Hey, everybody, this is Ryan Leaf, former Washington State Coug, and you're listening to the Everything USC podcast with Nara Wang on the Believe Network. Last year when we spoke after you won your second straight national title, that was before the announcement at the end of June that USC was going to be moving to the Big Ten Conference beginning with the 2024-25 school year. And 
Of course, beach volleyball, though, was announced as a sport that would be staying in the Pac-12, not doing the move to the Big Ten. So when the discussions were going on in the athletic department about moving conferences, how much did you know about it? And did you know that beach volleyball would not be a part of that switch? Well, of course, I knew about it because Nebraska would be the only team that's in the Big Ten that has a, a beach program. They kind of dabble in the beach. If we both went, UCLA and USC, and tried to create something, we'd be at three teams, right? You need six in a conference to make it certified and official. Is that going to happen? Probably not in the first few years, right? Because the weather is an issue in some of the, some of the states and some of the schools. But um, I think it's doable, and I'd love to expand the sport and to help the sport grow. And I think a conference such as the Big Ten and the SEC, if those two conferences adopt beach volleyball, I mean, the sky's the limit. It's already the fastest emerging sport in NCAA history. And so those are my hopes. What is more real would be either forming a new conference for beach volleyball. There's also other conferences out there like men's volleyball uses the MPSF, right? So maybe they get involved in the game. But ideally, when I think of it as a coach, it's nice to have an automatic qualifier, which you get if you win the conference tournament. But if you're not in a conference, then you lose that automatic qualifier. But Let's just say two out of the three years, right, that we've won the national championship, we did not win the Pac-12 championship. So we didn't get that automatic qualifier, but it had no bearing on our, our season. So if if we miss out on an automatic qualifier as we're trying to work this out for the, the first couple of years, I think we'll be okay. How does it change things for you and most of the other teams at the school are going to be playing in a different conference or does it change anything really? I don't think it changes anything. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure things are going to come up that um, there's going to be some challenges and they're trying to make this transition as smooth as possible. And the athletic department has been great in supporting us and trying to figure out what's best for us as a beach volleyball program. And, you know, we'll continue to talk about it. I don't know that there's the perfect situation just yet, but I do know that I don't believe the Pac-12 is an option anymore. So I think we're in a great position to to do some different things. I, I'm really excited that the University of Texas has adopted the sport, and that's another major player, right? And they love their sports there. They're going to back the program, and that's what pushes the sport. We continue to get big schools to pick it up and push the envelope, then um, the sky's the limit. You know, this is this is an exciting sport. I, you know, I'm excited as a coach all the time, so I can't even imagine what some of the fans are like who, who don't get it as much as I do. And the athletic director who spearheaded the move to the Big Ten, Mike Bone, resigned on May 19th with the Los Angeles Times reporting shortly after the resignation that there was an investigation into his management of the athletic department. So what was your reaction when you heard that news? And how was your working relationship with Mike Bone? Well, yeah, I mean, Mike was a great guy. Like our relationship was great, always supported us, always would change his schedule to make it to one of our events. I mean, I just remember when we got back from this championship and we had a very impromptu celebration 
that um, his, his schedule was full, but he adjusted it and he was there. And, you know, you look at a guy like Mike Bone, supported us. I've only seen him do great and positive things. The fact that he brought in Lincoln Riley and turned this football program around overnight and gave them national prominence right away by investing in it was something special. The fact that the men's and the women's basketball team are getting the number one recruit coming out of high school. The fact that LeBron's son just signed to play basketball here. The fact that we won our third national championship. The fact that he was AD of the year just a year ago. He's done some fantastic things because Mike came in just a couple months after I was uh, after I was hired in 2019, and it's been fantastic, you know. But I, like you said, you've read the papers, you've heard the things from an internal side. I wouldn't know, you know. I can only reflect on my interaction and. That's it's been top notch from from day one. So it was a shock to hear of his resignation. And um, it kind of shook the department. But uh, that's why it's a department. The department's strong and it will continue on. But, uh, you know, I had a I had a great time and great interaction and great support for our program while Mike Bone was here. And it will be interesting to see what develops in the search for the next AD, especially with the transition into a new conference. Coach Dane Blanton, it is always a pleasure to get to talk to you, especially when we're doing it after another national championship win. Yeah, let's let's make it a yearly thing, you know what I mean? The standard has been set high, but we like the pressure. We like uh, to push forward and... Uh, we love to get the word out to the people. So uh, if you need to contact me, you know, we've talked about it. We're out there at USC Beach on Instagram and um, we love the support. And it's just such a great program that I think prepares the student athletes for the future. And it's so fun to see what they go do as they, they blossom and go out in the real world as representatives of the Trojan family. So, for my guest, Dane Blanton, three-time NCAA champion head coach of the USC Beach Volleyball Team, I'm Nara Wang. Thanks for joining us for Episode 80 of the Everything USC Podcast, presented by Bet Online on Believe, the number one content network for professionals, the place to find a sports and pop culture show for passionate fan bases across multiple platforms. We believe in our teams, you believe, and as always, please remember to fight on. Fight on. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.